This is the LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Center podcast. Discussions and interviews with leading attorneys and industry professionals. On this edition, Gabrielle Siegel of Jenner and Block on carbon cap and trade programs and the new administration. LexisNexis podcast voted top legal oriented podcast in the 2008 ABA Journal Blog 100. The annual reader survey of the best websites for lawyers, as chosen by the editors of the ABA Journal. In a recent LexisNexis Matthew Bender Emerging Issues Analysis, Gabrielle Siegel of Jenner and Block in Chicago writes that President Obama and his environmental and energy teams appear committed to implement a cap-and-trade mechanism as part of future climate change regulations. Ms. Siegel joins this LexisNexis podcast to discuss such a program and its impact. Ms. Siegel is a partner in Jenner & Block's environmental practice and is co-chair of the firm's climate and clean technology law practice. Thank you for being part of this LexisNexis podcast, Ms. Siegel. First, generally, what is a cap-and-trade program? That's a very good question. Let's start with basics. A cap-and-trade program is a regulatory scheme to control emissions of some chemical. And when we talk about carbon cap-and-trade or greenhouse gas cap-and-trade, we're talking about a regulatory scheme to control, limit the emissions of greenhouse gases in total or a single greenhouse gas like carbon dioxide. And how a cap-and-trade program works is that the governing authority, let's say it's a federal government, sets a total limit or a cap on emissions. And the regulated entities, uh, with certain industries, certain sources of those emissions, have to comply with that cap. However, the regulated entities, the sources, have choices regarding how they comply with the cap. They can comply with the cap either by reducing emissions from their own production processes or by purchasing allowances that allows them to emit a certain amount of the regulated chemical, in this case, greenhouse gases. What would be the goal, then, of of a cap-and-trade program? Well, the goal of a cap-and-trade program is to cost efficiently using market forces to control greenhouse gas emissions. It allows the regulated community to choose how they are going to use their company's resources to reach and limit their emissions. And they can choose to do so either by controlling their own technology or trading extra emissions or by purchasing emissions. It also has as a goal limiting the cost to the government of controlling emissions because ideally all the government need do is set the cap and it's up to industry to decide how they're going to reach it. So how does such a program, a cap and trade program, differ then from other forms of controlling air emissions? The way it differs is in that it allows industry to choose 
the methods by which they're going to comply. In a typical historic regulation of air emissions, companies were told they need to use a certain technology. They need to use that technology for specific types of industries and specific types of emissions. And this is called command and control regulation. And they were told that unless they used that type of technology, they were violating their permits. Here, there isn't that same type of control from the government. The government just says you can't emit any more than X tons of carbon dioxide. And it is up to the industry to decide how they're going to reach that cap. Are there any cap-and-trade programs that are in operation today that address greenhouse gas emissions? Yes, there are. In fact, the European Union has had a cap-and-trade program in effect since 2005, and it's called the European Union Emission Trading Scheme, and it has been operated now in its second phase of operation. They've been retooling it since it was first implemented in 2005. It addresses only carbon dioxide, not all greenhouse gases at this point, but it is being uh, used by 27 EU member countries and four other countries to trade carbon allowances and allow industry to reach their individual caps on emissions. Do you have any sense of, of how it's working out? There is a sense on how it's working out. The first phase, 2005 to 2007, was really seen as a learning period. In fact, the EU recognized it as such. And what they learned from that learning period was that they could create and they did create a carbon market. People bought and sold carbon allowances. However, there is mixed information and very little data showing that, in fact, emissions were able to be reduced. And that is because the cap, for a variety of reasons, was set too high and the use of allowances was not allowed to continue into the future past 2007. So although a market was created, once there was an overallocation of carbon allowances, the market collapsed from a financial perspective. It's a complex program because of the number of countries that are involved and they're all independent member states. And at this point, especially in the first period, each member state was allowed to set its own cap in its own way. European Union is working to consolidate and harmonize all the countries and have a more central control over the caps, make sure the caps are set at a lower amount and provide various mechanisms to give price support and emission control fortitude to the program. A second program that is in effect here in the U.S. just started January 1st, and that is a cap-and-trade program that was established by the Regional 
Greenhouse Gas Initiative, which is an initiative of 10 East Coast U.S. states who are using a cap-and-trade program to limit the emissions, again, only of carbon dioxide and only for electrical power plants that are fossil fuel fired. And that program just started January 1. They had auctions rather than an allocation of allowances to industry as occurred in the EU under the REGI, R-G-G-I, it's called the REGI system. Each of the power plants had to purchase through an auction the allowances that they needed in order to reach their state's cap. How that is going is, you know, it's way too early to tell. However, the auctions were successful in that uh, there were more bidders than allowances available, and people are hopeful that this might be an effective approach, with the caveat, of course, that if there is a federal approach to cap-and-trade programs, a regional program, as suggested, uh, as being used by Reggie would have to be either folded in or somehow made consistent with what's happening on a federal level. So there are some programs that are, are in operation, and are there any others, meaning greenhouse gas cap-and-trade programs that are planned for the future? Right now, there are two other, in the U.S., mm-hmm. there are two other cap-and-trade programs that are in the design stage. One is a program designed by WCI, the Western Climate Initiative, which are seven West Coast states and four Canadian provinces who have joined together in an initiative to address climate change in their region. And they've developed a design that was published in September of 2008 to use cap-and-trade to control all six Kyoto Protocol greenhouse gases, not just carbon dioxide. And they've set up the design for a program to uh, limit emissions from greenhouse gases starting in 2012 from virtually every major source of greenhouse gases, not just power plants but industrial and commercial sources, industrial process emission sources. And there are plans in that design to have the cap and trade program control emissions from transportation fuel as well as from the combustion of fuel in residential and commercial settings. So it's a very broad-based design. It has been recently in December embraced by uh, California's Air Board, and it has also been embraced in its design by the state of Washington, both members of WCI, and as many people see it as a potential design plan for a federal program that would broadly address all greenhouse gases. Sounds to be a bit more comprehensive. Than anything that's in place right now. It's much broader. There's another design out there that is a little bit uh, less developed than the WCI, and that's the Midwestern Greenhouse Gas Accord. These are six Midwestern states and one Canadian province 
who have also uh, joined together to address climate change. And they're developing initiatives right now, again, to address all six greenhouse gases that are addressed in the Kyoto Protocol. They haven't quite embraced the breadth of the WCI program. They also haven't rejected it, but they're just moving their schedules just a, a bit behind WCIs. And again, all these regional programs may just serve as a design format for a federal program, or if there isn't a, a federal program implemented, this may be the way that greenhouse gases are addressed uh, in the future. It's a very complex scheme because there's economic impact to the consumer, not just the residential consumer, but commercial industrial consumer. People are very concerned about the effect that cap-and-trade program or really any kind of emission control program will have on individual industries and consumers of power and fuel. And it's really a very new program that people just do not know what the potential economic effect will be, nor do they really know whether it will be, in fact, effective in reducing emissions, which is the ultimate goal, not just trading what's out there already, which is what happened in phase one. And even in the Reggie, they're not going to be doing any reduction below current levels until 2015. So they're just trading what's currently being used now just to give them some basis for Uh, essentially practicing to see how this works. What are the the principal challenges other than what you've just talked about? The the principal challenges are in setting the cap, figuring out how you're going to do that. Are you going to do that based on historic emissions? Are you going to do that based on what emissions should be? Are you going to do that based on uh, what you predict your growth will be? And figuring out how to set a cap when there may not be good data on all of the greenhouse gas emissions in your particular regulated area. The second issue, other than the cap structure, is how do you allocate allowances? Do you give them allowances to industry for free, essentially, and say these are the allowances that you can have for operations in the upcoming year, you can't exceed them, and if you are below them, you can sell them, and do you give that to industry and then allow potentially industry to pass on the value of those allowances or the cost of not using those allowances to their consumers, or do you do what Reggie is doing for the most part is almost 100% auction of the allowances, where very few are actually distributed to industry, they must purchase them in order to set a price for them in the market from the get-go. And when you do that, are you potentially raising the cost to consumers? And then a third major issue are what we can call the offset structure. One concept under cap-and-trade programs is that you can use an offset system where you gather credits that you can use against your allowance cap by funding programs 
typically outside of what's being controlled by the cap and trade, that reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And the offset structure can be very tricky because you want to make sure that you're funding programs that are really truly going to set off offset greenhouse gas emissions and that are not just financial mechanism for funding programs that would go ahead already, that they're not just uh, funding programs and uh, generating credits for programs that would not truly result in greenhouse gas emissions and figuring out how much you want to allow industry to continue to use the current technology and emit greenhouse gases and get their credits and get their allowances by purchasing offsets, or do you want to try to force industry to develop the technology in their industry to limit emissions and not allow them to get out of that technological research and funding by using the offset mechanism? What do you expect the future to hold? Will a cap-and-trade program work in, in the United States? You know, it's really difficult to say because of all of the different factors that go into it, how it's designed, what the market looks like for fuel, what the economy generally looks like, how good the data is on emissions, what is happening in other countries around the world, all will influence whether a cap-and-trade program in the U.S. will work. However, Virtually every one of the members of President Obama's energy and environmental team has endorsed using a cap-and-trade program for controlling greenhouse gas emissions. And whether they do that in a step-by-step process, perhaps like the European Union addressing carbon dioxide first, uh, addressing just power plants first, it's difficult to say, but legislation that was in Congress last year really did not take those incremental steps, but instead really proffered a very broad-based program, for instance, in the Lieberman-Warner climate security bill. And President Obama does seem to have placed environmental and climate issues high on, on his agenda of things. As has the EPA. The EPA administrator's uh, comments on her first day in her office set out an agenda that she sent to all of her EPA employees, and number one on that agenda was greenhouse gas and climate change. Ms. Siegel, I want to thank you very much for, for joining us to uh, explain and, and review greenhouse gas cap-and-trade program design. And as always, it's a pleasure having you on, on our LexisNexis podcasts. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Gabrielle Siegel of Jenner & Block in Chicago on carbon cap-and-trade programs. This has been the LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Center podcast. Visit the Environmental Law and Climate Change Center and all our communities at www.lexisnexis.com communities. The LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Center podcast, copyright 2009, by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, Total Practice Solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.